Welcome to this Linklater's podcast on operational resilience. This is the first in a series where we'll take a closer look at operational resilience, what it means for financial services, and what we're seeing as firms gear up for new regulations in this area. Joining me are Julia Dixon and Verity Kemp. And today we're going to cover the basics of operational resilience. So let's kick off with an obvious question. Julia, what is operational resilience? Well, for financial firms, it's about making your business resilient to disruption. You'll have seen plenty of stories in the press over the last few years about IT problems at firms and how this impact customers. Well, now the regulators plan to set new rules for the UK's financial industry. By the time we're recording this podcast, the rules haven't yet been finalised, but we have seen the draft rules and what they try to do is build firms' ability to withstand technology issues which impact their businesses and essentially keep the show on the road. Okay, so it's about uh, banks and other financial institutions preventing IT problems from disrupting their business? Well, not exactly. Obviously, prevention is better than cure and preventing IT incidents is part of how the regulators are looking at resilience. But their view of what operational resilience is goes beyond just prevention. In fact, the regulators specifically instruct firms to assume that disruption will happen. And the new regime focuses on how firms are prepared to respond to disruption to their business when it happens. It's also about more than just IT glitches. So firms are being asked to prepare for all kinds of disruption. A system outage is just one example, but business could also be interrupted by a cyber attack, a data breach, the insolvency of a service provider, a pandemic, and so on. Okay, so you said that uh, the regulators are planning to set new rules um, in this area. Verity, do we know what these new rules are going to look like? Yes, we do, because the regulators have actually consulted on them. So they were published back in 2019, and even before that, in 2018, there was a discussion paper. So the proposals have been around for quite some time now. Um, We'll be going into what the new rules actually look like and will require in more detail in our further episodes. But at a very high level, they would make financial firms do several things, which I would bucket into three groups. So the first would be understand your business. This involves itemizing all of the business services you provide to clients, identifying the important business services, and taking a close look at all the different elements that you rely on to provide those services. Now, that mapping exercise should also help you to spot risks. Secondly, think about what disruption means for your business in severe but plausible scenarios and form a view about what an acceptable level of disruption is. So this will involve setting what the rules call an impact tolerance for every important business service and considering the impact that that disruption will have on, for example, consumers, market participants, the safety and soundness of your firm, or the integrity of markets more generally. So to take as an example, how long can your online banking be offline before it starts to cause intolerable harm to your customers? Setting that tolerance at the right level is really important because eventually firms must stay within those levels. And thirdly, prepare for disruption. This covers various testing obligations, governance, documentation, comms plans, and so on. Thanks, Verity. So as you say, we're going to take a closer look at some of those aspects in future episodes. But maybe just for now, is it fair to say that it's the requirement to stay within impact tolerance levels, which is which is at the heart of the rules? Um, yeah, you could argue that that's the ultimate aim of the regime and the other rules are just sort of in place to get you there. But that would be to understell the amount of work that will go into complying with these other requirements. So mapping all the systems, people and processes that your business services will rely on will involve a lot of expert time and analysis. And likewise, designing the effective governance arrangements will need buy-in from senior managers. 
So the whole package will need time to get in place, which is why the regulators are planning a phased implementation period. So what, what does the timeline um, look like then? Well, once the regulators finalise their rules, which is expected to happen any day now, so in March 21, there's likely to be a one year period before the rules start to take effect. So that's only one year actually to plan, design and build everything that Verity was just talking about, which is why many of the firms we've been working with and speaking to already have started their projects even before the rules have even finalised. So once we have the rules, firms have got a bit longer to comply with the requirement to stay within those impact tolerance levels that Verity mentioned. They need to aim to do so as soon as reasonably possible, but they're likely going to have three years before it becomes a strict requirement. So that takes us out to about spring 2025, at which point those impact tolerances Verity was talking about are really going to have teeth. And we've been talking here uh, today about, about firms. Do we know exactly who these rules are going to apply to? Well, as drafted, the regime would apply to dual regulated firms, enhanced scope SMCR firms, payment and e-money institutions and certain market infrastructure providers. In other words, it doesn't quite extend to the whole industry, but it does capture banks, large asset managers, insurers, payment firms and payment systems. So what we have here is a broad set of rules uh, which apply to a broad section of the financial industry uh, and definitely plenty for us to dive into uh, in future episodes. Maybe any final thoughts from, from each of you before we wrap up? Um, what, what I would add is that this is a major reform program. So, I mean, the fact that you have three years before the final rules kick in gives you a hint at just how much work is required to do in the meantime. There'll be a significant assessment of firm systems and controls required from the ground up in order to get them match fit for these new requirements. And this isn't just about changing the policies and procedures you already have but really changing the way individuals at your firm at all levels actually think about resilience. And I would just add that when we speak to clients, we emphasise the need to ensure you've got the right people involved in your programme and to make sure that you also bring senior management and the board with you along the way throughout this process. These are changes that need to be really understood and deeply implemented through the business. The reforms are really signalling a cultural change, a shift in terms of how firms need to approach resilience, and there's going to be regulatory attention focused right at the top of the house on how you're approaching this subject. So you do really need to ensure you've got the right sponsorship from the top. Of course, a consequence of engaging with that group is that you're also going to need to build some really robust program governance and a whole new system of metrics and management information for the boards and the business to engage with. Um, it's a multi-year project with many, many decisions that are going to need to be made and judgments, questions of interpretations on which your system design, your infrastructure build and your infrastructure spend is going to be based. And so at the end of the programme, you're going to have to document and justify the approach you've taken. And for me, that means really understanding and recording why certain decisions are being taken along the way. My colleague Pansy and I, you'll be hearing from Pansy on a separate occasion, we've got a bit of a mantra around this, which is you want to do it once and do it right. Brilliant. Thank you, Verity and Julia. And you've, you've mentioned their metrics, uh, culture, and also the role of senior management. And, and as I say, these are all topics which we'll uh, definitely return to later on in the series. Uh, before then, in our next episode, we're going to look back on what has happened in the last 15 months since the draft rules were published. In the meantime, thank you very much for listening and goodbye.